It's time to begin our solo player reviews for the 2022 season, and we're going to begin with one of the greatest Cardinals of all time. Albert Pujols was what he did this past year, one of the most surprising seasons ever. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffer, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, and a lifetime Cardinals fan. I'm your host for Locked on Cardinals, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also available on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe. The more likes we get, the more Cardinal fans can find the show, which is what we want. That way we can all come together as a community. Uh, be sure to comment down below on YouTube and interact with us because we get a lot of good discussion on there. It's a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Now, coming into the 2022 season, the Cardinals were faced with a new challenge. And that was filling the new designated hitter role in the National League. Just to give you a little background, since 1973, for some reason, the American League and the National League played by different roles. The dumbest stuff ever. I have no idea how you're in a sport where there's different rules for different leagues. I don't understand that. Never did. But that's what was going on. The American League adopted the DH in 1973. The National League, according to my research, only had one vote about the matter in the early 80s. So here's what the story says. And granted, this is from all over the internet, so maybe 100% accuracy is not what we're going to get here. But this is the story from what, I, from what I've picked up. In response to increases in American League attendance because of the DH, the National League held a yes-no vote on August 13th of 1980 to determine whether or not the league would adopt the designated hitter. A majority of the 12-member teams were necessary to pass the rule, and the measure was expected to pass. However, when the teams were informed that the rule would not come into effect until the 1982 season, Philadelphia Phillies Vice President Bill Giles was unsure of how the team owner, Ruley Carpenter, wanted him to vote. He couldn't get in contact with Carpenter, who was on a fishing trip. Again, 1980s, we don't have cell phones. We can't go text the owner and be like, hey, what do you want to do on this vote? There's no way to get a hold of the guy. He's fishing. Gone. He probably had a sign up on his office door that said, gone fishing. Why was he fishing during a vote like this? I don't know. But Giles was then forced to abstain from voting. And prior to the meeting, Harding Peterson, the GM for the Pittsburgh Pirates, was told to side with the Phillies, however they voted. No matter what they did, you just follow what they do, okay? So Pennsylvania had issues here. Uh, the final tally, four teams voted yes for the DH. The Braves, the Mets, the Padres, and the Cardinals. Five were against it. The Cubs, the Reds, the Dodgers, the Expos, and the Giants. Three of them didn't even vote. Phillies, Pirates, and the Astros. Why did the Astros not vote? I don't know. Five days after that meeting, the Cardinals fired their GM, John Claiborne, who was the leading proponent for the adoption of the DH rule, and the National League never held another vote on the issue. By the way, the Cardinals hired a, a guy you might have heard of to fill Claiborne's role. His name was Whitey Herzog. 
worked out all right. Whitey, not too shabby. But not until the COVID year did the DH get used in the NL. And then the universal DH takes over in 2022. Finally, we could move on from watching the horrible hitting pitchers attempt to bunt or just stand there and watch the ball zoom by. Watch pitchers uh, flail aimlessly with the bat at the ball. We didn't have to do that anymore. I know that some hitters or some pitchers could hit. Like Adam Wainwright was a good hitting pitcher. We've had a few of them. Uh, Zach Grinke comes to mind, who's still in the league, who was a pretty darn good hitter as a pitcher. But wouldn't you rather see like a real hitter, like a real slugger going up there and try to drive the ball? I do. That's what I want to see. And no longer do we have to put the pitchers at risk for injuries while they're hitting, and that's happened on a couple of occasions to the Cardinals. Uh, 2015, Adam Wainwright pops his Achilles hitting. 2021, Jack Flaherty, Cy Young type of start to the season. Injures his oblique while hitting. Brad Penny. You guys remember Brad Penny? Probably not. You might remember the one time that he actually did something good for the Cardinals. Hits a grand slam. Injures his oblique when he swung and hit that grand slam back in 2010. Never played again for the Cardinals. Out for the whole year. And those are just a few of the injuries that have happened to pitchers just for the Cardinals uh, from standing in the box. But with the DH, you now eliminate... Not only the amount of risk of getting injured at the plate with, you know, muscle issues, but, you know, fouling the ball off uh, ankle, toes, you know, it happens all the time. How about getting hit by the pitch? You know, you got these dudes throwing 100 all the time in the league. I I don't want to see my best pitchers up there having to face that heat anymore. So I'm glad the DH is there. And perhaps if the DH was in place before Albert Pujols went to L.A., he never would have left the Cardinals in the first place, knowing that you could have moved Albert to the DH role as he got older, instead of having to play in the field every day in the National League, that would have been an incentive to to keep him around past 2011. But that wasn't the case back then. Albert then jumped to the American League, went to the Angels, where they had the option of doing that with him. They also offered more money, but that's not the point. Point was, as Albert's body broke down, which it was starting to do in 2011 with the foot injuries, and he had like uh, uh, oblique issues and stuff like the Cardinals would have still had to play him every day at first base. Angels didn't have to do that. So the point is the DH was in play for the Cardinals finally this year. And it just so happened that Albert Pujols was a free agent as well. So the universe kind of aligned for the reunion that most fans wanted to see. And I say most fans because there were plenty of people out there, people who listened to this podcast, who hated on the signing of Albert Pujols, saying it was a publicity stunt. He's too old. He's out of shape. He's got no bat speed anymore. He can't run. All of those were fair arguments. But the fan inside of me and in most Cardinal fans wanted to see him in this uniform one more time. And on March 28th, it happened. Albert Pujols signs a one-year deal worth $2.5 million to return, where he had arguably the greatest 10-year run in the history of baseball. He won two world championships, three MVPs, batting title, rookie of the year. Uh, it was amazing. An incredible run those 10 years with the Cardinals. Coming into this season, his role was that he'd share the DH spot with Corey Dickerson. That was the plan coming into the year. And, you know, saying it out loud and thinking about it now, how dumb does that sound? <laughs> that that was their DH plan coming into this year because 
let's be honest. We didn't know what we were going to get out of Albert. It certainly was not what we what we ended up getting, right? And then Corey Dickerson, that's your DH? Ugh. But the idea was Dickerson versus righties, Albert against lefties, do some late inning pinch hitting, maybe play a little first when Goldie needs a day off. But, you know, Goldie doesn't do that very often, right? But what followed is perhaps one of the most unexpected seasons in Cardinals history and one that rewrote the record books. And we're going to relive it here next on Locked on Cardinals. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. NBA is underway. We got college right around the corner. North Carolina, your preseason number one, followed by Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, Kansas. Nice top five there, you know. Uh, find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. They've got live betting. Up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Game three of the World Series tonight in Philadelphia, over under eight total runs, but the Astros favored by one and a half. Lance McCullers against Ranger Suarez is your pitching matchup. If you like the Phillies at home, it's a hitter's ballpark, eight runs. Oh, personally, I might take the over, but I don't do well in betting. Just saying, so don't follow whatever it is I tell you to do when it comes to where you should place your bets. But you, probably smarter than me when it comes to betting, if you got a hunch about what's going to happen tonight, throw a little money on it and turn those gut feelings into profit. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. In the offseason, Albert worked out in the Dominican Republic to stay in shape for what would be his final season. And he didn't mix words about that at all. He said, this is it. I'm signing with the Cardinals and we're done. There will be no next season. This is all I got. And when you first saw him in that uniform, again, couldn't help but smile, could you? It just looks right. You know, it, when he goes to the Angels, their main colors are red and white. Their away uniforms are gray, so it was similar. But he looked weird in the Dodger blue, didn't he? But he looks great in the, in the Cardinal colors and uh, with the birds on the bat on his chest. And the other thing I noticed, not only how good Albert looked as far as being back in that uniform, but how much weight he had lost. If you go look at Pujols photos of him as a Dodger. Like, go Google that. Go Albert Pujols, Dodger. The man has a gut, okay? He was big. And you compare what he looked like this year coming into this season and what he looked like last year with L.A., uh, not only the Angels, but the Dodgers, night and day. Albert, being the competitor, was probably embarrassed. I would imagine he was embarrassed if you asked him about it. When he got designated for assignment by the Angels, that's embarrassing. Like, you aren't good enough to be on our team anymore is really what that's saying. We don't want you anymore. Go away. That's what the Angels said to Albert Pujols. And then he signs with the Dodgers, which I never blamed him because he's already in L.A. Why not? Dodgers are a good team. Made sense. But he's relegated to a bench bat against only lefties. The dude has a lot of pride in himself and to see that he dedicated his offseason the way he did 
to getting back to a playing weight that was closer to what his final years in St. Louis uh, looked like. That was a great sign. Right off the bat, I was impressed with that. And I was like, all right, all right. So he put in the work. Now, the team wasn't banking on Albert being a big impact bat, and even he wasn't, you know, expecting to be more than what we just talked about, where he was going to share the DH role with uh, Corey Dickerson. But uh, the idea of Yachty and him getting to play one final year together, that was really cool. Uh, so I, I thought it was it was a good idea, you know. Whether he provided a lot of offense or not, it was just a good idea to get Albert back home, you know? And I was asked repeatedly leading up to opening day whether or not I thought Albert would get to 700 home runs. And I, I would smirk. I would laugh and say, nah. But I was hoping. I was always hoping that he would catch A-Rod. That way he gets to fourth on the all-time home run list. That was kind of what I was hoping was his goal coming into this year. That was my wishful thinking, if you will. And after the first couple of months, we weren't even sure he was going to get to that number. Albert hit his first home run with the team on April 12th against the Royals on what would be a three-hit day for the machine. And us Cardinal fans got kind of giddy. Didn't we get a little giddy? We were like, ooh, looks like the same old Albert to us. April 17th, he rips a three-run shot against the Brewers. He's back, baby. We get we got Albert. We got the old Albert back, right? Then reality sits in. And uh, Albert wouldn't hit another home run until May 22nd. When he hits not one, but two against the poor Pirates, who he just abused over his tenure in the league. His next home run after May 22nd wasn't until July 10th against the Phillies. Coming into that game, his average is at 198, below the Mendoza line. The power had vanished, and he just looked like a shell of the former MVP we had been accustomed to seeing. Albert hits another dinger on July the 12th against the Dodgers, and that was the last one before the All-Star break. So his first half numbers, not great. 215 batting average, six home runs, 20 RBIs. And again, he's not hitting every day. He's basically going up against left-handers, and they just don't start a lot of left-handers in the major leagues anymore. It's just it, it's truth. But not exactly eye-popping numbers. But he was going to the All-Star game, and that was neat. You know, legacy selection. I, I loved that. Uh, Miguel Cabrera got to do it from the American League side. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great idea. You know, these... Um, these guys that are destined for Cooperstown one day, you know, but maybe at the end of their playing career, not as good. It's a good way to let the the national crowd say goodbye to these players. And I hope they continue to do it each and every year. If there are people who are worthy of uh, such a vote, you know, I don't, I don't want just anybody getting in just because they were all right. And they're old now. I don't want that. That legacy selection means you got to be special. So um, he gets in, and then he's going to compete in the home run derby. And I know some of us, I know I was, was like, gosh, I hope he doesn't get embarrassed. 42 years old, oldest player to ever compete in the derby, was going to go up against the Phillies' Kyle Schwarber, second in the league in home runs at the time, heavy favorite in round one. And Albert does well, perhaps surprising some by smashing 10 home runs. But the real surprise was what happened after those initial three minutes that he got to hit. So he hits his 10 home runs. And some of the National League guys come over and start doing the, you know, the towel, patting him down, getting the sweat off him. And then more National League All-Stars come over, kind of patting him on the back. And then the American League players start coming over. So you got All-Stars from both leagues showing their respect to Albert Pujols in his final derby and final All-Star appearance of his illustrious career. An awesome moment for a guy who deserves all those accolades. And I believe that it was this moment 
this moment right here where he got all the love from not only the All-Stars there, but the crowd that was in L.A. that night as well that helped push Albert to the greatness that we saw in the second half of the season. So he goes on to beat Schwarber in a tiebreaker in that first round. Now, it's still debatable whether or not Schwarber was giving 100% during that, but he still moves on. He moves on. He gets the W, and then he faces Juan Soto in round two where he falls 16-15, to 15, and Soto, the eventual champ. But this whole derby kind of woke up something inside of Albert that was missing in the first half. And I think the key word here is confidence. I think that's what he was missing. The, the confidence, the belief that he was still great, that he wasn't just making a victory lap around the league, that he wasn't just the old guy, that everybody was just kind of happy, that, it, yay, good for you, you're still in the league. He had unfinished business, right? 700 home runs was still there. Possibly attainable. The Cardinals could be a playoff team. Coming into the All-Star break, I believe they were still in second place, but certainly within shot of the Milwaukee Brewers. And you've got the whole wild card thing. He was still the machine, right? It made him feel good, you know? A little positivity pushed in his direction. And after that, Albert... He's on a mission, man. He goes seven for his next 13 after the break with a home run of four RBIs, raises his July average to 320, brings his overall average up to 235. He's got seven home runs now, 24 RBIs, 686 career home runs at this point. And again, I'm sitting here just thinking, hey, that'd be cool if he can pass A-Rod. Catch him. Get A-Rod. The calendar then flips to August, and Albert goes nuclear. Hits a season-high 361 for the month. He gets eight home runs, 17 RBIs. He smacks one against the Rockies on the 10th. He banks two in one game against the Brewers on the 14th. A pinch hit grand salami against the Rockies on the 18th. Two more dingers against the D-backs on the 20th. Hits the game-winning solo homer against the Cubs on the 22nd. And then another one in a route over the Reds on the 29th. I was at that game, by the way, and you can see the video from my seat watching Albert's home run uh, on our YouTube page. If you haven't uh, checked that out yet, go check it out. Um, an incredible month. And then he starts September with 694 home runs. And not only is he on the verge of catching Alex Rodriguez, but 700 is now definitely within striking distance. And the Cardinals are winning. Remember, August was awesome for the Cardinals. They've taken over first place from the Brewers in the process, and they're running away with it. Albert hammers another home run off the Cubs on September the 4th. And on September 10th in Pittsburgh, he ties A-Rod with home run number 696 and then passes him the next day on September 11th with home run number 697. Now 700 is staring him in the face with around three weeks left. This is going to happen. We're all starting to believe, right? This is the point of the season where we're all like, he's going to do this. There's no way he stops now. 700, he's going for it. We can all feel it. He crushes 698 against the Reds at Bush Stadium on the 16th. And then finally, he gets to L.A. on September 23rd. And in grand fashion, on a national stage, national game of the week, on Apple, I think is what it was on, Hits home run 699 and 700 in front of the only other city he called home in his major league career. And what a moment it was. It was an 11 to nothing throttling of the first place Dodgers by the Cardinals. Yet, L.A. fans were standing and applauding and going wild for Albert Pujols. 
You may never see anything like that again. The visiting slugger getting all of this love for bashing the Dodgers. They don't cheer for the away guys. It was incredible. His whole baseball journey had led to this moment where he joins the rarest of home run hitters in the exclusive 700 club, along with Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds. A bit unfortunate in a couple ways, too. As I mentioned, um, it was in L.A. Would have loved to have seen that moment in St. Louis to see what the crowd's reaction would have been. And uh, also the fact that that game was exclusively on Apple. So our Bally Sports Midwest crew and longtime TV announcer Dan McLaughlin unable to call the game. That was a bit of a bummer. But that's being nitpicky about this moment because it was so good. Albert goes on to hit three more home runs in the season, two at Bush and uh, one more in Pittsburgh to finish the year at 7.03 in his career. Of course, he had to hit one more off Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Guy, he just killed those guys over his career. So his final 2022 numbers, 270 batting average, 24 home runs, 68 RBIs. Oh, by the way, because I know he would probably get mad if you didn't mention this, one stolen base. One stolen base for the 42-year-old. Second half of the season, he hit 323 with 18 home runs and 48 RBIs. His home runs in the second half, second only to Aaron Judge. His RBIs, fifth. His OPS, second to only Aaron Judge. What he was doing was MVP caliber stuff in the second half of the year, and he was doing it with way less at-bats. Albert had 158 official at-bats in the second half. Judge had 232. So Albert's numbers, he was homering every 8.7 at-bats. 8.7. Aaron Judge just had a season for the ages. Hit 62 home runs, right? The new AL home run king. Every 9.2 at-bats, he was hitting a home run this year. Albert at 42. Some even joke that he might be older than that. Was ahead of the pace of the guy who became the AL home run king this year in the second half. That's bonkers. That's bonkers, man. Sadly, the season comes to an end after just two games in the wild card round against the Phillies, but what a ride it was. So what's next for Albert? That's what we're going to talk about next right here on Locked on Cardinals. After the tremendous season we get from Albert, some are hoping he'd rethink his retirement. He'd come back like a hero and say, you know what? Let's do it one more time. Give me one more round, but that is not going to happen. Pujols officially signed his retirement papers on Monday, ending his historic 22-year playing career. He was the 2001 National League Rookie of the Year. Thank God Bobby Bonilla got hurt that year because he wasn't going to make the roster. Bobby Bonilla was going to be the bench bat, and Pujols was going to go back to AAA at the time. Bonilla gets hurt. Pujols makes the team National League Rookie of the Year. He was the 03 NL batting champion when he hit 359. Three time NL MVP in 05, 08, and 09. Two time Gold Glove Award winner at first base. An 11 time All Star. MVP of the 2004 NL Championship Series against the Astros. He wins two World Series rings with the Cardinals, one in 06 and another in 2011. Game three of the 2011 Fall Classic against the Rangers. He became the third player to hit three home runs in a World Series game, joining Babe Ruth and Reggie Jackson, the Giants. Pablo Sandoval ended up joining that list the following year. He finished with 703 home runs, ranking fourth on the all-time ALNL home run list behind only Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth. Pujols also ranked second in ALNL history in RBIs with 2,218. Total bases, 6,211. 
fifth in doubles with 686 and 10th in overall hits, 3,384. He'll be eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2028 and plans to return to the Angels to honor his 10-year, $10 million personal services contract that he agreed to when he originally left St. Louis for L.A. I even read a quote that he's kind of excited to see who the uh, new Angels owner might be. And hopefully that new owner trades Shohei Otani to the Cardinals. Just putting it out there. But from me, from all the Cardinals fans, we want to say thank you, Albert, for everything. I cannot wait to see your plaque in Cooperstown and eventually your statue outside of Bush Stadium. You know, for all those years, we said, well, I'll meet you at, at the Musial statue. Now we got a bunch of them that are out there at Bush Stadium, but people will be able to say, meet me at the pool hole statue. And uh, that'll be pretty cool. Now, before we wrap things up, it was announced today, we did get some news, that Nolan Arenado and Brendan Donovan have won gold gloves this year. Hey! Nolan's 10th consecutive at the hot corner, and Donovan's first. Donovan wins it in that new utility role this season. So congrats to you both. Uh, we'll have more on those victories for them on tomorrow's show. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen today. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. As always, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You are the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time on Locked On Cardinals. 